morning and welcome to St Matthew's this morning, both to those of you who are here in person and those of you who are joining us online. It is a beautiful day, uh, but every day is a day to praise God. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Shall we do that as we stand and join our singers as they lead us? Thank you. 
seated. I, I, while you remain standing, sorry, I'll lead us in prayer. Eternal God and Father, by whose word we are created, by whose love we are redeemed, give us power to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, that we may be filled to the measure of all his fullness. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. If I'm confused, why would you not be confused about whether you should be standing or sitting? Uh, it's wonderful to see you here this morning. Um, I pass on greetings from Bruce Clark, our senior minister, who is still recovering from COVID. He would love to be here, but he's wisely resting up so that he has a, a proper recovery. At least I think he's resting. <laughs> I, I have had a few phone calls from him through the week. He's very concerned about all of you. Uh, he's a pastor who cares. Uh, we're looking forward this morning uh, to the next part of Jesus' revolutionary teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He comes as the one who has good news about the kingdom of heaven. And this means things will be different after he's arrived. And this morning, uh, Deborah Benstead uh, will be showing us what the coming of Jesus means for our relationships, for the renewal of relationships with, which may have been broken, for the whole way we do relationships, for there, there to be the possibility of reconciliation. And so I hope you're looking forward to that. And Deb brings a, a, a wisdom and experience that comes from her involvement with a group called PeaceWise. If you're not aware of them, it's a group uh, where she's had years of experience uh, helping people who, who, who may have fallen out of relationship or have had difficulties in relationship. So that's something really helpful that we're looking for, forward to this morning. We've also got um, the third of our contributing member spots and we're in the middle of three in a row where we're focusing on contributing to being a member of St Matthew's by serving in some way. And there are some wonderful opportunities in children's ministry uh, that uh, Jamie Post uh, will be sharing with us a little later in our meeting. Jamie is the relatively new um, uh, children's and families minister uh, that's, that's um, here at St Matthew's. Uh, another feature of our service today, we'll be sharing together in the Lord's Supper. And so for those of you who are at home, it'd be great to have some bread and a cup to drink from as we join in that together. Um, I should say that if you're new or visiting with us, we're very glad to have you here. And I should have introduced myself. My name's Andrew Graham. I'm one of the ministers on the staff here. We've now got an opportunity to, to, to with one voice, say what it is that we believe about God who is there and, and about his power and especially about his mercy. God the Father, who's, who's come amongst us in the person of Jesus Christ, his son, and is present with us by his spirit this morning. So please join me in saying the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. From our screen, we'll catch up on some news at St Matthew's.
Hi there, it's so nice to have you join us at our service today. We hope you have an encouraging time with us. If you're here for the first time, or the first time in a long time, we'd love you to let us know that you've joined us. And you can do that by filling in our digital connect card, which is accessible via the little business cards in the seats in front of you. And that way, we'll be able to give you a full and proper welcome in the week ahead. Someone will be in touch. The main thing to let you know about this week is that our celebration dinner is coming up and places are filling fast. It's on Wednesday night, the 16th of November, and it will be a night of great food, lots of conversation, and warm encouragement as we hear stories about how God has been at work among us this year, and there's lots to be heartened by and thankful for. Tickets are $50 and $40 for concession, and there's also an option to pay a little bit more to help sponsor a spot for someone who could use it. We want everyone to come, and we don't want money to be the reason that you don't. So if that's you, get in touch with me at the office, and we would love to help you get there. It really will be a highlight of your time at St Matthew's this year. You can buy tickets online via the events page of our website or by following the link in Bruce's weekly email. I hope to see you there and I trust that you'll enjoy the rest of your time at our service today. Well, I am indeed looking forward to celebration dinner. I'm so looking forward to seeing you guys and joining together in dinner. But that is not why I am here, is to celebrate celebration dinner. I'm here to let you know about what's happening in kids' ministry and to invite you to be part of kids' ministry with Trish. And so what we're going to do is we are going to tell you how you can be involved and serve but what's a kids' ministry spot without some fun and games? So Trish, what game are we going to start with? <laughs> We're going to play a game with some balloons. So while music is playing, I'm going to throw some balloons out, out to you and you have to make sure they don't touch the ground. So you've all done this throughout your life, so you should be able to do it now. Okay? And then in the balloons, there are a mixture of four questions. And if, when the music stops, you end up with question number one, two, or three, or four, we will start and we'll go in order, and the person with that balloon will ask the question, and Jamie and I will answer them. Awesome. That sounds so great. I reckon you guys can rise to the challenge of playing this game as 8 a.m. All you have to do is get your hands and pass it to each other while the music plays. This uh, song is a song that some of our 10 a.m. kids have been learning uh, at our primary program on a Sunday. So Trish has just got the balloons and she's gonna hand them out and a song will start to play. It's called Thank You God.
Well done, everybody. I'm very impressed. Okay, have we found balloon number one? Put up your hand if you've got balloon number one. Okay, ask away. The question is, how many kids and families are involved in kids' ministry? What a great question. Thanks for asking that. So there's been many, many kids involved of kids' ministry on Sunday at 10 and 5. Last week we had over 100 kids come to at 10 and 5 combined together, which is so exciting. There's been so much growth happening in that space on a Sunday. But also midweek at our mini mats on Monday and Tuesday, over 50 families have been coming and hearing about the love of God through the way that our uh, wonderful people who help out there share God's love uh, through actions and through words. So that's been awesome. As well as on Friday, we have scripture and there's eight classes uh, that get to hear about who God is through the whole Bible. It's been fantastic. I reckon it is time for question number two. So if you have the balloon that has number two, wonderful. On this side, Scott is running to it, he's coming. What's your favourite part about kids' ministry? Thanks, Julie. My favourite part about kids' ministry over the last two years has been with the, working with the families and the children and especially teaching Jesus to the children but also working with the families, particularly when they're in this stage of life, which can be quite hard for them. Um, there are two great examples that we had um, of kids' ministry. We had a four-year-old boy. It was his four-year-old birthday, and his parents, I think they were trying to get out of coming to church on a Sunday. And they said, oh, what do you want to do today? And he turned around and he said, I want to go to church and learn about Jesus. So that was his question for his four-year-old birthday. And then last week at Mini Mats, which is an outreach program, it's a playgroup, we have on a Monday and Tuesday, and um, we had uh, two families with newborns and toddlers, and they were both going through a lot of um, stress. One family was actually at two different hospitals with two different children, and it was just wonderful to see the helpers at Mini Mats reach out, start making meals, start um, washing rosters, and just putting their faith into action and was just such a great witness to that community. Wonderful. Those were two fantastic stories and there are many more stories that we would love to share with you but we don't have the time. So you can come and chat with us afterwards if you would love more stories about what's happening in kids' ministry. On that, I think it's time for question number three. So if you have the balloon, oh, fantastic, over there. So why be involved in kids' ministry? Oh, thanks for asking. That's a fantastic question as well. <laughs> well, why should you be involved? Why not? Like, seriously, why not? There are so many different ways to be involved on Sundays during the week. And it is a great opportunity to teach and disciple little people in Jesus. It's wonderful because they are precious to God and so they are precious to us. They are the church now, not just in the future. And so we get to invest and be involved in them growing as disciples of Jesus. And you don't have to be my age to do it. You can be any kind of age. And the wisdom that comes with age is so fantastic that these kids need to hear. We are a family together. And that is why we can be involved no matter 
where we are, if you love Jesus and want to see God's church grow, you can be involved. On that, that's a great way to ask our last question. So if you have the last question, question number four, why don't you put up your hand? Question number four? Not sure where that balloon's gone. Oh, over here? Is that... No, that one's an empty one. That one's blank. Good thing in kids' ministry, we always have backup plans in our heads. So we actually have the question written down just in case this moment would happen. Um, So, Trish, question number four is this. How can you guys be involved in kids' ministry? Well, there are lots of ways in which we can be involved in kids' ministry. Starting from being with the youngest of the young, with the toddlers, with me um, on a Sunday morning, or being on part of the rostered team with preschool on a Sunday morning. And then there's also a group of ladies at um, mini mats on Monday and Tuesday in the mornings. Prayer is valued enormously and helping with craft. So if you'd like to be involved in any of those, we would really appreciate it. Um, Can I say too, this morning we sang a song, um, Trust and Obey, and many, many years ago, probably, well, almost 60 years ago, there was a lady called Grace Bull who taught me that song, and I've just sung that now, and I just think that those words she taught me, and 60 years later, they rest on my heart, and we can all be a part of that with our children. Awesome. Well, there are so many different ways that you can be involved, like Trish said. Uh, This is a growing ministry and there are so many ways that you can be involved. So we would love to hear uh, from you. So if you can grab out those connection cards right now, we're going to do it together. And if you would like to be involved or find out more ways to be involved, fill it out right now. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to pull out your phone to QR code this and to yeah, say that you want to be involved. There are many different ways, many different opportunities for growth and to be part of this area. All right, that should be enough time to fill that out. If you'd like to talk to us more, come and find Trish or I uh, at Morning Tea. We'd love to talk to you about how you can personally be involved in kids' ministry. Thank you. I'm going to suggest for our later services that we turn the fan up even higher so that moving the balloons is even more difficult. Well done to those of you who engaged in that. We're going to turn to God in prayer now, and amongst the things that we'll be praying for will be uh, thanks for our our young people here at at St Matthew's and that God will continue to provide those uh, who are needed to be teaching them and uh, helping out with kids' ministry. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen and comfort us today as we seek you in your word and as we cast all our anxieties upon you. And speaking of anxieties, we we pray for brothers and sisters across the world who are facing persecution. 
for churches, whole churches, uh, and for individual Christians. For those who are fearing for their safety in the face of hatred, that they would be able to live out their faith in peace. Where whole countries are hostile to the gospel, enable Christians to be a force for good and a blessing in those places. And we pray for all persecuted Christians that you would, you would enable them to trust their whole selves to you and even to pray for those who persecute them. Within our own church family here, Lord, we are so thankful for Jamie and for Trish and the way they are serving in overseeing children's ministry. Uh, we thank you for the lovely news that more and more children are coming each week uh, to, uh, along to Kids Church and uh, to, to Mini Mats and to other ministries here at St Matthews. We thank you for all those who work alongside Jamie and Trish uh, for the various teams that serve on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Fridays uh, to share the gospel with the children of St Matt's and, and beyond. And we, we want to pray that with this increase in numbers, uh, more leaders would come forward. Uh, we understand that there is specific needs for teaching primary, ch primary age children on Sundays. So we pray that you'd pray, uh, let, raise up the leaders that are needed there. Uh, and, and also that there'd be more and more people available to help with little ones for preschoolers and toddlers on a Sunday and on a, a Monday and Tuesday morning at Minimats. And Lord, over all of this, we, we pray that the children of St Matthews uh, will, from their very first, uh, know your goodness and uh, learn to trust you and live for you and not only in these young years, but right throughout their lives, they'd be the kind of people who bring praise and honour to your name. And Lord, within our church family, as we listen to your word from the Sermon on the Mount, we pray that your spirit will be at work in us so that we take initiative to heal broken relationships. We pray that we would have the humility to repent of any wrongdoing that we've engaged in, for where we've done harm, even if unintentionally. We pray that we take our responsibility for our actions humbly. And we pray that you give us grace to forgive those who seek forgiveness from us. And we pray that, that our whole fellowship here at St Matthew's, that each of our families and each of our lives would be characterised by reconciliation and by peace. We pray that we conduct ourselves so that as far as is possible, from our initiative, we would be at peace with all people. Lord, we pray for those who are unwell at the moment. We pray for Bruce and for others at St Matthew's who are uh, suffering from the effects of uh, COVID. We pray for uh, rapid recovery. And we also pray this morning for Pat Irving, uh, who's reached a difficult stage in, her, um, uh, in the impact of cancer on her life and has moved into palliative care. We pray that you'll give her peace of mind, uh, which we know she has as she trusts you. We pray that you'll keep her free from fear. And we pray that she'll continue to trust you we pray this in Jesus' name. Lord and Heavenly Father, would you be with, with us uh, this week, giving us a loving devotion to the work you put before us, the people you put around us, and the King you put over us, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing our offertory hymn.
everyone. May I encourage you to follow the Bible reading, which can be found on page 969 of our church Bibles, page 969. And I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at 20, verse 21 and going to verse 26. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, 
Anyone who says to a brother and sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift to the altar, and there remember that, they, that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. My name's Deborah, for those of you that don't know me, and I'm on the staff here at St Matthew's, which is a blessing. And good morning to those of you that are watching online as well, those of you that can't join us. I hope you're blessed today as well. So this is the third of our um, Sermon on the Mount messages. But before we get into this passage, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been angry? Okay. Well, if you said no, I completely know you were totally lying because everybody gets angry. And let me ask you another question, though. Have, have you ever murdered anybody? So most of you are going to say no. And I'm not being flippant. Most of you will say no because most people get angry. Everybody gets angry. But it's very rare for someone to murder. So most of you know, don't you, I assume, that the headings in the Bibles are put there by translators in order to make the Bible easy to navigate, to make it easy for us to find our way around the Bible. But sometimes they're not helpful. And I think they're not helpful in this passage that we're looking at today. So in the Pew Bibles, the heading says murder. And that's the first one up there, circled in red, murder. But I looked up a number of other translations, and the heading is about anger. I think this is interesting, because when I read murder, I think to myself, I have that covered. I have don't murder down pat. I don't do it, and I never have done it. You might feel the same way, but when I read the word anger, well, then I'm not so confident. Then it might be a bit more relevant. Like I said, anybody that says they've never been angry, they're lying. So maybe this passage has something to say to someone who's ever been angry. That murder heading in the NIV may have led to a misunderstanding about what this passage is about. So I think a misunderstanding about what this passage was about and what some other passage is about is exactly what Jesus is addressing in the thing that we're looking at today. So let's have a closer look at the passage and see what Jesus does with murder. He starts by saying, you have heard that it was said. Now I'm going to just give you a bit of background to you have heard that it was said. It's said six times 
in the next few passages that we're going to be looking at today. And Jesus says, you've heard that we have, it was said, then he says what was said, but I tell you. And he says something about what has been said in the past. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of those passages. The you have heard that it was said, but I say to you passages. What Jesus is doing here is filling out the meaning of what we looked at. Filling out the meaning of what it is that's been said. Last week, there were two important things that we are need to remember that put us in a place where we can start to look at this message. First, that Jesus had not come to abolish the law. And then that his followers had to live it and teach it even better than the best. They had to do a better job than all the righteous people that have been teaching this before. Now, some people have said and still say that the old law was works and that the new law of Jesus was grace, is grace. But Jesus makes it clear that nothing could be further from the truth. And Scott made it clear last week, the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible. It's what he used. He said, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. What Jesus was doing was taking the current teaching of the law, the way people were understanding it at the moment, and filling it out fulfilling it because he had come to fulfill the law it's more like he's saying you've heard that it was said but wait there's more and we're used to that phrase aren't we but wait there's more you've heard that it was said but wait there's more because Jesus charge against the teachers was that they were making the law less demanding than it really was most of us are familiar with the principle, if you ask children to tidy their rooms, most of the stuff will end up under the bed. And you will go into the room and the room will be tidy. But under the bed, not so much. And here's a true story. When I was growing up, and I have no idea why this is the case, we were taught never to call anybody a fool. Now I imagine now that it came from this passage, Never call anyone a fool. I never called anyone a fool. To this day, that teaching is so strong, I call them an idiot. <laughs> because I didn't need to, I wouldn't break the law and call them a fool. I totally kept the law, the letter of the law. But I didn't even understand what the spirit of the law was. You get the idea, right? You get the idea. So Jesus is saying, those days are over. Stop only keeping the letter of the law. Stop trying to look good on the outside. And so what we have in the six passages that we're going to look at, one today and a few over the next few weeks, is a deeper look at what's behind the law. And today, what's behind the law not to murder? What's the spirit of the law? So with that background, we're actually ready now to have a look at murder and anger. You've heard, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be, same thing, subject to judgment. So as I said, murder's a fairly low bar for me. But that's not where Jesus leaves it. He goes on to say that even to be angry with someone makes me subject to judgment. It looks like the same judgment that I'm subject to. That makes the bar a little higher for me because I'm no stranger 
to getting angry with people. I might be less angry now than I was many years ago, but it doesn't mean I don't get angry. But like I said before, wait, there's more. Anger's not the only problem. Name-calling is a problem as well, and subject to some pretty hefty judgments. I've summarised them here. Are you angry with a brother or a sister? Subject to judgment. Have you ever called someone Raka? Answerable to the court. Called someone a fool. Said to someone, you're a fool. In danger of the fire of hell. Jesus really appears to be upping the ante. That bar's getting very high. And we might ask at this stage, do those punishments really fit the crime? I mean, we get angry, right? Well, let's look more closely at the crimes. First of all, anger. I often hear people defend their anger by saying that Jesus got angry and God got angry and it's okay for us to get angry. And you've all heard that, right? Because God gets angry and it's the righteous anger defence. There are some situations where it's right to get angry. And we do see two types of anger in the Bible. We see God's righteous anger flare up against sin and injustice and he acts in love. And the same righteous anger might rise up within us when we see sin and injustice. And in love, we may seek to go and fulfil God's call to act where there's injustice. But that's not the anger that God's talking about here, and that's not the anger that I tend to come across when I'm talking with people. Very occasionally righteous anger, usually not. And I don't think that's what's on view here. The anger on view here implies the sort of anger that we allow the sun to set on when we make an inward decision to nurse anger. It's the anger that rises up when someone gets in our way, when they call us out, when they stop us getting what we want to do, when they say something, point something out about ourselves that we don't know. It becomes personal. And while it may initially flare, it settles into a slow burn that may not even feel like anger anymore. Some of us, what started in anger, has just settled down to a quiet resentment, and we're not even aware of it. Second crime, raka. Now, this word can mean empty-headed, idiotic, or stupid. This word calls into question someone's mental competence, their intelligence, the way they think. It makes a comment about what's going on in their mind. And then, fool. This word has both religious and moral overtones. It can even be used to, for those that deny the existence of God. When you use this word, you're calling into question a person's moral competence, their very character as a human being. They're very right, almost, to be called human. And if you look at the punishments again, you can see that there's an escalation there from a decision to nurse anger, remarks about a person's mental competence, to calling out a person about their heart and morality, their very humanity. Jesus has shown us God's heart behind the commandment because the choices we make are just as damaging to relationship, just as ending to a relationship as murder and just as deserving of judgment. What this ends up as is a very hard-hitting word, very hard-hitting word to protect and to enhance 
relationships. The loving relationships that the kingdom of God, this kingdom that's calling us, the loving relationships that should exist in that kingdom. And in the remainder of this teaching over the next few weeks, he does the same thing. Hard-hitting teaching about the protection and renewal of relationships. Because God is about relationships. That's where it starts and finishes. As Father, Son and Spirit, in perfect relationship himself, he creates us and he invites us to share in that relationship of Father, Son and Spirit. But we rebelled. We rejected that relationship. He set about his plan then for reconciliation. He set about getting us back and reconciling. A plan that culminated in the arrival of Jesus and his death and his resurrection for our sins. And we read in Ezekiel what would happen when he came. He would give us a new heart and he would put a new spirit in us. He said, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The ethics and the ideals of God's kingdom, the way that it should be, were already there. The heart of God for his people was clear right from the beginning, but the hearts of the people towards God were hard because the king hadn't come. But now Jesus says, I'm here. He's ascended to the throne and now the kingdom is indeed calling and the possibility of living the kingdom ideals has increased because we now have soft hearts with the law and the decrees of God written on them with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to constantly make us aware of what it is that he's called us to. And Jesus is helping us to see in these passages just how relations in the kingdom should be approached. As I said, it's hard hitting. He knows that we're in the middle of a clash of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. In that graphic, at the top, the kingdom of God. Underneath, the kingdom of the world, a line between them. They overlap in the way that we live, but they're sharply divided. And when two kingdoms collide, there's a clash. It's going to be violent because when you are actually living the distinctive lives that we've heard about over the last couple of weeks, when you're actually being salt and light, there will be pushback when you live in a way that's contrary to the kingdom of the world. And the ways that Jesus is calling us to live are often different to the ways in the world. So now we read and come on to verse 23. To therefore. And therefore always means something when you see it in the scripture. Therefore, if anger is so abhorrent to God and relationships so important, we should not worship with grudges unsettled. First, we should go to be reconciled. He knows that we will get angry. He knows that we won't always deal with our anger and neither will those people around us. We'll be surrounded by people who don't deal with their anger too. So now he goes on to say that when our relationships are broken, we should do something about it. 
most important, more important to him than fulfilling our commitment to worship is our relationship with others. Now, of course, he's not saying literally that you should stop coming to church until you've fixed all your relationships because that would be the letter of the law, wouldn't it? Oh, I, I, I'm not coming to church because I haven't fixed my relationships, good me. What he's indicating is just how important peace and reconciliation are. Love means fellowship. Fellowship means reconciled relationships. Even if it interrupts our fellowshipping together, our worship practices together, because seeking reconciliation is a worship practice in itself. It's the worship of God when you seek reconciliation with another person. And anyone could be taking you to court. In, this, in the section about if someone's taking you to court, it could be anyone, it could be a believer. It doesn't have to be a believer in this case. He's not necessarily talking about a court case either. What he's saying is unsettled grievances, when you don't seek to address something, can lead to serious consequences. He says if anyone has anything against you, he doesn't say big things, small things, just things, unjust things. It doesn't have to be a big thing. If you have an adversary, he says, act quickly because you don't know what the consequence is going to be. And because I tell you to, because that's how important relationships are to me. So that's the spirit behind do not murder. Relationships are so important to God that what goes on in our hearts and minds needs as much spirit-led attention as our actions. Relationships are so important to God that we should interrupt the flow of our lives to seek reconciliation where we need to, and we should do it quickly. That's the kingdom calling. That's the king calling. And Andrew mentioned, and as many of you, I know some of you do know, I have worked with an organisation for many years that promotes biblical peacemaking and reconciliation. And it means I've heard, had the privilege of hearing many people's stories, many people's journeys, and seen people come to wonderful reconciliation, and seen when it doesn't as well. So I know that at any one time, there are people for whom things can be flowing along fairly smoothly, and they can be not thinking, well, I don't really have a, a, an issue going on here. But I also know that there are many people involved in complex and messy, long-standing uh, conflicts with other people, even when it's not obvious to others. And I speak to people constantly. Everything looks fine. It doesn't take a lot of digging to find that there's something going on there with someone that's uncomfortable, that doesn't feel good. And also, I know that there are many real obstacles to reconciliation. What if the other person won't engage? What if there's a power imbalance? What if the person has died? What if there are some significant issues that need to be addressed? What if there really is an issue of justice? What if there really is an issue that the other person needs to take responsibility for? And one of the most difficult things that I have to share is that even when we are encouraged by the Lord to seek reconciliation, and even when we step out to seek reconciliation and we will to reconcile, it does not always turn out the way we like, would like it to. I have two significant relationships where I sought reconciliation and there has been no reconciliation. I have no idea whether that reconciliation will occur in this life or in the next life. It's with two people who are both believers. 
and I have sought reconciliation. So the news about how it's going to turn out isn't always the news I would like to share. But the thing is, the way things turn out when you're obedient are always to the glory of God. The question is always, are you willing? Because it doesn't change the command of Jesus' teaching here that I should well will to address what's going on in my heart and I should will to reconcile and quickly. And when we seek to reconcile, we are the blessed. We are the peacemakers. But the question, as I said, is are you willing? And I know that many of you here are already seeking to answer the call of Jesus in this passage. You've spent years answering the call to Jesus in this passage, to look at your hearts, to look at your anger, to identify things in yourself that impede relationship. Others of you might need some help with that, to identify what it is that you can do next. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer together as we finish that we as a community increasingly live as the blessed of God, salt and light, because it's Jesus calling us into the kingdom. It's King Jesus calling us and saying, my kingdom is not of this world. You are going to be, have to behave in a different way, but my spirit has written my decrees on your heart. You can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to close in a time of prayer and I ask you as pray to say amen to this as you reflect on the things that I'm praying for us. Let's pray. We know, Father, that we are not alone. We are under the kingship of Jesus, the risen Christ with the presence, power and comfort of your Holy Spirit who has written your law onto our softened hearts. We thank you for the company of our brothers and sisters in the faith. We thank you that you are for us, not against us. Thank you for the grace you've already to extended to us in Jesus. Please show us the sin in our relationships. Lead us to repent of any anger or the ways we have judged others as you make us aware of them. We have the will to reconcile and offer you our hopes and the fears that we have in our relationships. And we now leave it in all your mighty and powerful hands. We pray it in the name of the King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I don't know your circumstances and I can't say step one, step two, Step three, because I know how complex and different they all are. I do know, though, that you have a father that loves you. And I encourage you, if anything, a relationship has come to your mind, then get some help with that straight from the Lord. Ask one of the pastoral staff. Ask a mature friend, Christian friend that you trust, someone that can help you identify the next step that you need to take, whether you've been doing this for many, many years or whether you thought to think to yourself now, oh my goodness, I've never considered this before. Your first step will be an individual step. So we're going to sing a hymn now, and I love the word in this hymn.
I looked it up before I came because I always like to think, oh, I hope that follows what I, said, what I say. And you're going to sing next, Jesus, if still the same thou art. And there's a line in this that says, set up thy kingdom in my heart. So when you sing that, think to yourself, amen. But keep singing just in your mind, amen. God bless you. Thank you. 
Please be seated. And uh, as we prepare to share in the Lord's Supper, I'll just get you to raise your hand if you don't have one of the communion packs. We're looking pretty good. Excellent. I'll also suggest that uh, as we prepare, you just take off the at least the, the uh, clear plastic top there. Friends, uh, the Lord's Supper, as we remember the, the time when Jesus gathered his disciples uh, before his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, is a chance for us to reflect, especially in the light of what we've heard from God's word today, on that initiative that God has taken towards us in Christ. Uh, as we consider the challenge of dealing with anger that we may have nursed for some time, uh, to, to as far as, as it's possible to reconcile those relationships, um, to deal with whatever it is that's going on inside us uh, that is so destructive both to ourselves and to the person against whom we may hold a grudge. Uh, so we're going to pray a prayer of confession now and I invite you to join me in praying this and there may be something in particular uh, that before God you are prepared to, to uh, admit. I, I, I invite you to do that now. I'll just give you a moment to prepare. Together. Merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done, and we have done what we ought not to have done. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent. According to the promises declared to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that from now on we may live godly and obedient lives to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And here's a beautiful word of reassurance from Romans 8. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus you've been set free from the law of sin and death. Amen. So here's how it unfolded the night before Jesus went to the cross. The scriptures say, On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
So today we've just got a little bit of bread, but it, it gives us the opportunity to, in a very concrete way, recall the instruction of Jesus to his disciples. So, brothers and sisters, let's take this bread, and as we eat it, let's feed on Jesus and his sacrifice in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And in so many ways, what Jesus would achieve on the cross was to establish a new covenant, a covenant which would mean that people like us could have a new heart and a new spirit within us. So let's drink, remembering all that the blood of Jesus achieved for us as, as we share these cups together. Jesus' achievement is cause for thanksgiving and invites us to commit to keep following him. So let's pray this prayer of thanksgiving and dedication. Lord and Heavenly Father, in your loving kindness, accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Grant that by the merits and death of your Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. With gratitude for all your mercies, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. As we prepare to close our service, I want to extend an invitation to you, if you're a guest with us today, to join us for morning tea, which we served in the, across the courtyard in the function room. Otherwise, would you stand? I'm going to read a verse from Romans 12, which does so much to echo what we've heard of the teaching of Jesus. Uh, and then there's a benediction that I'll share with you. Uh, Romans 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And may the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen. Amen.